Hello, and welcome to Let Me Bore You to Sleep. My name is Jason Newland, and this is a podcast aimed. <laughs> I just get, I do these introductions every time and trying to think of new ways to say exactly the same thing. It's a sleep podcast, basically. The idea is that I just waffle on and talk rubbish for about an hour. And you just get bored and fall asleep. That's one description. There's probably nicer descriptions uh, than that. Um, it's also something that people, you know, if they, if you wanted just something a bit silly to listen to, or maybe, you know, a bit of company, you know, just hearing my voice, or hearing a friendly voice, quite, my voice is fairly friendly, I don't Yeah, I just sound like I'm about to scare you in a shower or something, you know. It's pretty... uh, I'm not a psycho, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm I'm an okay person, kind of. I only listen to this. I was going to say, when you can safely close your eyes, but I feel I might have scared people now. I only listen when you can safely close your eyes because um, falling asleep is not a good thing to do if you're, you know, piloting a submarine or something like that, or if you're controlling a one of those little trucks that are on Mars. You know, you could like remote control in it, and the thing costs like half a billion dollars to send to Mars, and and you end up crashing it into a a Martian or something because you fall asleep. Oh, I actually asked my friend about the tube trains. Apparently, then. This is for those that have listened the other night. I was talking about tube train drivers having a stick to hold on to. And I, f- I thought it was called an idiot stick. But it's not. It wasn't. It was called something else. I think the f- thing is that would make it more, s- more of a useful uh, paragraph or sentence. If I had some more information to give to you, but I can't remember what it's called. I thought Idiot Stick's quite a good name. You know, if you fall asleep while you're driving a train. I know there's narcolepsy and stuff like that, but technically, you know, I would have thought driving a train would be quite 
stimulating in a sense of you know every time you stop at a platform you have to be looking out the window and make sure that you know it's safe to close the doors and everything and each stop is there's only maybe a couple of minutes sometimes a lot less between stops unless you're on the northern line and with my recollection of the northern line you could be on yeah it takes about six days between stops so what I've done what I've done what I did what I have I'm not sure if I mentioned I purchased some soundproofing foam to put on the walls and that was last week sometime yeah, Wednesday probably to be fair yeah, last Wednesday and they've arrived today and I put them on the wall now that was a boring sentence isn't it it's like I went to the shop and I bought some bread and I came home and I ate some bread see these phone things there how many did I get one two what's eight one, two, three, four. I think there was twenty-four altogether. So if I'm correct, I got two packs of twelve. Unless it was twenty-four it was in a pack. I can't remember. I'm really not sure. But anyway, I got them. They came today and I thought you know what I'm going to do I'm going to put them up so this morning but it was I don't know what time it was I need to get a clock and stick it to the to my front door so I can see what time I'm being disturbed So these, yeah, it was this morning or early afternoon or something like that. And they came in a package, just like a plastic package. So I'm definitely not going to buy any sex toys from that company. You know, it's like see-through and everything. You could like, oh my God, what's, what's this man up to? And I didn't have any glue or any adhesive to stick the tiles or, you know, the foam thingies to the wall. So I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll go and buy some. Because I find that in a situation where I need something usually 
you know, going and buying it is the kind of the right process. So that's what I did. And I think I was going to buy some from Amazon, but they were charging nearly as much for the delivery as for the actual product itself. And I ended up getting big two tubes, big two, two big tubes. I say big two tubes, I must have kind of known what I was meaning to say before I said it. My brain is working so quickly that the words came out muddled. I need to get a new chair, one that's not squeaky. And... I went into, there's a shop called Wilkinson's and they kind of sell, it's a lot like cheap stuff but it's also okay, you know, it's it's not just like a cheap shop, uh, there's bargains but there's also some okay stuff in there as well, it's, it's kind of like Harrods for the unemployed and so I went in there and I've never ever bought adhesive or glue or any kind of sticky substance from that particular retail premises. But I had in my mind an idea roughly where the, the, the adhesive would be spatially within the shop itself and I was right it's not a case of like I bet it's inside the shop no that because that would be a bit obvious but I did you know I thought I know I'm going because before that I went into Iceland and uh, I was having a meeting at four so I went to have a I went to Iceland first, but the bus, oh, I got the bus, and so I had a bath, had my breakfast first, then I had a bath, and then I thought, oh, I better, better walk quickly, not too quickly, but not enough to get all sweaty, I kind of, I walk fast enough to get where I want to get to quicker, and maybe raise my heart pulse a little bit but not fast enough to leave me with sweaty balls you know that's kind of the the two the the, the line the line sitting on a bus with you know sweaty bits isn't it's yeah it's okay if I'm coming back from the gym but oh it's even okay coming back home from anywhere it's a bit I think having sweaty balls is it's a bit like if you've been in a rain coming home with wet clothes although you know maybe not ideal but it's, it's still a lot better than going to work and getting there with wet clothes I'm not talking about wetting yourself I'm talking about the um 
in the rain. Although I used to get to work, I remember years ago, when I was younger, I decided, I was working in this insurance company, and I, and I, I lived quite a long way away, there was a weird noise I made there, wasn't it? I lived quite a long way away from where I worked. Not initially, when I first started working there, I lived around the corner, and I could go home at break time, at lunchtime. Not break, I mean, break time was 15 minutes. I could have gone home, but it would have been a case of walking up the stairs. And I don't know. Just walking back, you know, that, that's about it. Maybe 30 seconds of juggling. And then coming back, you know, there was not enough time to do much in 15 minutes. But at lunchtime, I used to get an hour. And I'd, do, I'd get back in six, seven minutes. And I'd just like go lay down. and It was great. What I always found though is the closer I live to where I worked, the more often I was late. Which is very strange, you know. I used to, I had this job once when I was younger. I was 18. And this job was in a pub. And it was a weird, weird job it was. And I gave up a job that I shouldn't have done really. It's I think I think what it was at that age I think I just wanted to try new things. You know, I wanted to experiment, wanted to instead of travelling the world I thought, I'll get a job in a pub. And if I'm honest, I think at the time, I probably thought that it might be a good way to meet people and maybe uh, get a girlfriend or just make new friends, you know, learn some social skills. Didn't work out that way, although I did make one good friend um, at the time, and he... Yeah, I think he was pretty much as weird as I was, so that's probably why we got on. And also, I ended up living in the house of some of the customers. Not, I don't mean like lots, they didn't, they didn't share me round. Oh, you got Jason this weekend? No, no, I got him Wednesday. Uh, well, can I have him on Monday? And I wasn't like that. They used to sit on the left-hand side of the bar, and they were builders. And I said, the reason I mean I lived with is, um, two of them lived in the house. One of them was the landlord, 
who owned the house and two of the other people that were used to come to the bar and they were builders and I think they worked for him or with him they also lived in that house and not long after I stopped working at the bar at the pub I ended up moving in there and I ended up right at the top of the house and I didn't have a television which was the first time yeah probably the first time that I didn't watch television regularly but at that time things were going quite well for me in a sense of Oh, Andre. Andre, sorry about that. Anyone listening, sometimes Andre makes these weird noises. And um, luckily you can't see that. I've already put him in his cage and he's not anywhere near here. But thankfully you can't see that so I can pretend it was him. And this, this was the summer of 1989. Yeah, summer of 1989. So I was 18 and I was 19 in August. So this was kind of April, May time. And I finished the job in the pub New Year's Eve. And then, yeah, that was a weird one. They, so I, I know the tills would have been short because of me, but only because, well, I don't know about short, but they, because I was given the wrong change out probably and stuff like that. But they, they decided that someone was like taking money and they, someone pointed a finger at me and it's not really my thing. I don't mean a finger, but, you know, being accused of such things and after New Year's Eve which is pretty much the busiest night in any pub or nightclub you know it's it's just the busiest pretty much the busiest night Um, and the manager said to me you gotta come in tomorrow for extra training and I said I can't come in I'm at my nan's for lunch because I worked all through Christmas. I didn't have Christmas dinner, Boxing Day. I worked all through that. And I said, I've got this is going to be kind of like my Christmas tomorrow, you know, New Year's Day. Bearing in mind, this was probably two o'clock in the morning by the time we cleaned up. And I said, No, I'm at my nan's for dinner. They said, If you don't go, if you don't come in, then you haven't don't come back. You haven't got a job. So I didn't go back. And they took that as a sign of guilt that I'd robbed them or something. Yeah, so what? Mind you, I got my name quite a good present with all that money that I stole. So that was good. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. So it's, uh, I, it's like I said, look. 19, you know, 18 years old, nearly 19. 
If I was stealing money, why would I still be wearing this coat that I've had since I was 11? And they said, don't know how to answer that. They said, how come, and I think another one said, well, how come it still fits you then? Okay, that's a different story. I've got a hormone deficiency, which I didn't. Don't know why I said it. I just, I just discovered the word hormone, and I thought it was funny. So I used to try and, you know, add it into conversations whenever possible. So I went to my nan's uh, New Year's dinner, and that was one of the bad decisions I've ever made. I think. It wasn't because it was a particularly amazing dinner, but all her dinners were lovely. You know, they were all, she was a brilliant cook. Um, and to be fair, it wouldn't have made any difference if she'd served us porridge. Just being there with her was pretty good anyway, because she was lovely. So, I think I made quite a good adult decision because I chose. I kind of stood my ground. Yeah, I lost my job over it, but I stood my ground. And I put my nan first. Well, I put myself first, I suppose. Because it wasn't, it was, you know, anyway. I haven't thought about that in years. But I was the worst barman or bar person. Back then it used to be called barman. And barmaid, that's that were the those was the official terms of those jobs. Headmaster, headmistress, policeman, policewoman, or PC, or you know, that's those were the terms that people used. But I know that we can't kind of use those terms anymore. But no one used those terms in a sexist way that's the thing it was just because those was the terms that people used it was just how we were brought up and taught this is that's that's a nurse and that's a doctor and nurses um, are women women are nurses when clearly men can be nurses and even then, men could be nurses, but there wasn't pretty many of them. I thought about being a nurse. I like the idea of caring for people. But really, I know it might sound weird, I don't always find it easy to care uh, when someone's not. No, what's all the right word? When someone's really not in a great place, I find the. I don't like to think of it as compassion or caring or empathy, but something happens inside me. And I quite like that. I don't like the feeling, but I like maybe the way I am. So I had this conversation years ago, back in 2004, and it was with my friend Will at the time, and 
Yeah, we were living in a Buddhist community and we were walking to town down London Road and I couldn't tell you the name of my last girlfriend but I can remember that conversation. I think we were talking about chess because I lived down that road at the, no, maybe, no. But there, I, was, I went through this little phase when I was uh, I bought an electronic chess set like one of those computerised ones it wasn't expensive it was like 30 or 40 pounds or something or 29 pound 42 I don't know um, and I decided I was going to be a, a chess master and I was going to learn every move and I was going to be the best chess player ever and uh, I think my friend Will said, shouldn't you learn the rules first? Just learn how to play the game for, you know. It was, I didn't realise um, how pretty amazing he is, or he was at the time. He's still, he's still around, but he's, uh, he's uh, an, a Buddhist order member. So he's been ordained and everything since then. But it's a pretty amazing person, actually. But the last conversation I had with him was when we was in the Buddhist community, and I was upset about something. And so I was sitting downstairs with Will. I was sitting facing him. I find that's probably the best, best communication way, isn't it? If you look, not necessarily look at the person, but at least be in the same room. Unless you're on the phone. Skype wasn't about that back then. You may say, well, you live in the same room, why would you Skype? I have. I've Skyped people in the same house that I've lived in. It's, uh, I've phoned people in the same room. It's room, not womb, room. I wasn't a twin. I used to think that I was a twin. And I... My dad pointed out it was a mirror. Now I, I used to think that I was like there was something missing, like I'd, you know, that kind of separated at birth feeling. But as far as I know, I wasn't. Although twins do come in the family, and also ginger hair. I know we're not really talking about ginger hair, but um, my nan's brother, Anthony, he had ginger hair. I mean, not when I met him. He was grey. He was fairly elderly. He was younger than my nan. Oh, no. Yeah, he was younger, a little bit younger. And apparently he had like, proper ginger hair. And because my nan's side of the family are Irish, both her parents were Irish, and then before then, you know. And the thing is, my nan was born in England. She was born in London, East London. She was a proper Cockney. And she moved to North London, I think maybe after the Blitz or something 
because the east, the least end of London was pretty much uh, a lot of it was destroyed during the war. And I'm covering a lot of subjects here. And then she, he had a little bro yeah, her brother and my nan were brought up by two Irish people, both um, Irish mother, Irish father. And they both obviously, well, had Irish accents because they were from Ireland. And then her dad used to work on the roads. So I don't know if it was like building the roads or something like that. When you say building roads, it sounds like some kind of Lego, doesn't it? But building a road, like Fraggle Rock. Do you remember Fraggle Rock? The one thing I remember from Fraggle Rock is the 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 thing. Remember the just the one saying the trash heap has spoken. That just uh, reminds me. I used to love Fraggle Rock. The thing is, I used to like it. And it wasn't really aimed at me because it was on when my brother was young. So I used to watch it with him, but I wanted to watch it anyway. Just like the Muppet Babies. That used to be on in the 90s. I was in my 20s. And it used to be on Saturday mornings. And I used to love it. even sing you the song Muppet Babies do 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 Muppet 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 Babies and it was really cool because every every week they'd go into this kind of dreamland you know it's the whole creativity of you know, young children, and they just get carried away and really believe what they were doing. And it's like, I used to love it, but I know it wasn't aimed at me. It wasn't aimed, not, I mean, personally, I'm not saying that they, I thought that they'd all got together in Hollywood, they got me this cartoon, Mr. Henson. There's this bloke called Jason, and he's, uh, he really liked the Muppets but it was a bit too sophisticated for him a bit too adult I suppose maybe we could water it down a little bit make something a bit more childish so that you can understand it you know maybe in cartoon form and Jim Henson probably said oh what do you want me for then I'm a puppeteer he said yeah oh, okay fair enough but we still need your permission because you've got the copyrights Oh, I have, haven't I? So that mean I'm going to make some money? It might do if it, if it's successful. Oh, that's that's good. Anything else you want to say? Well, no, no. Are you looking a bit bewildered? Well, I was just Mr. Henson. Uh, I always thought that you'd sound different in real life. I said, what would you expect me to sound like Kermit? That's a voice I put on. I said, no, I thought you'd have an American accent. 
I said, no, no, I do really, but Jason's too lazy to try and put an accent on. I mean, you know he can do it, don't you? Yeah, I know, I know he can. He's very, very talented. He's got an array of different accents. It's phenomenal. Sometimes I do wonder like, why he's wasting himself doing, doing what he does. He should be just, I don't know, doing voiceovers, doing impressions. Uh, there's, there's no... He's oh, such a master. Yeah, you would say that, wouldn't you? Why? Well, it's, it's you, isn't it? You are him. Oh, don't go through that again. What do you mean, again? Oh, we did something like that a couple of days ago. Oh. Well, it's supposed to be repetitive, though, isn't it, this thing? Yeah, I suppose so. Oh, yeah, true. It is. It's kind of a win-win situation, really, isn't it? Because... Whatever I say, if it's boring, then it's ticked the box. And there's no other insult you can really give to it. So it's a compliment, it's boring. And if it's an insult, it's boring. Then it's, it's a win-win. No one's ever going to say, wow, that was exciting. That was, oh, I was on the edge of me bench listening to that. It's like, oh, the hairs on me toes were standing up on end, wondering what's going to happen next. No, 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 that's not going to happen. No, no. No, 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 no. Before I got the job in the pub, I uh, worked in this factory putting electric meters into boxes. And to give you an idea of that memory, I lived in this little room in a house full of women. I mean, everyone that lived there was just... Um, a rental and all the other rooms in the house were rented by women and the landlady was a woman or should I say the landlord was a woman and they they made a bit of an effort with me to sort of get to know me a bit and to, they kind of made me feel welcome and um I kept myself to myself. I tried to, uh, generally. And I was working long hours. I did a lot of overtime. But I just remember, I remember this, uh, a couple of things in there is, we were standing around on the second floor. And I think it was just before my bedroom. Just before when my bedroom was. And... I think there was me and maybe the landlady and maybe one other person, maybe two. And I think I, I was laughing and I smiled or something. And the landlady said, 
you should do that more often. I said, what? She said, smile. She said, you're always so serious. You never smile. I said, what? She said, yeah. Because we've been watching Hail and Pace on television. And again, I'm not even sure if I had a television there. Which would be weird. Why wouldn't I have a television? I was earning enough to rent my own flat and technically I probably was earning enough to have my own mortgage because I was working loads of hours it was it wasn't it wasn't wasn't a bad paid job but um, didn't know what to do with my, my money at the time so I just wasted it on stuff not sure what I can't remember if I used to chuck pound coins into the sea probably not so I was watching through the doorway with all the other people in the house who were kind of standing in kind of in the door not in inside the door because I suppose there are some doors that you could fit inside if they were hollow but that you know it's a big door isn't it the size of a tree technically you could, say, you could say a tree is a door if it's made of wood what well, most trees are aren't they um, but if we were standing inside the bedroom watching Hail and Pace on television and they were a com- comedy act and they were really really popular in England back in the 80s uh, maybe even the 90s as well I can't remember how long they kind of were about for but they were like top of the game you know they were the biggest comedy act at the time and there was there was just this there's two sketches that had me and just couldn't stop laughing one was in a, a hospital and there was a man in a hospital bed and he was in the he basically just had really bad breath and that's why he was in there and the nurses and the doctors all had gas masks on <laughs> just, it was really silly uh, but it was, I was very young but I did find it hilarious at the time um, you had to be there Some, you know I'm not describing it in the best way you know I'm not doing any justice to them but they were really funny funny and there was another one another sketch and um, someone was in need basically of an ambulance someone was on the floor they collapsed or something in public and someone was shouting out we need a doctor is there, is, any, is, there any, is there a doctor here anywhere? And there was probably like 20 people surrounding this person. And one of the comedians, he's like walks through, said, uh, can you let me through, please? Can you let me through? Let me through. Everyone like parted out of the way so we could get to the the patient on the floor. And he just stepped over and carried on walking. So that's something that would have fitted right in with Monty Python I think 
it was that kind of uh, visual absurdity kind of thing but I found that funny it wouldn't be funny if it was real life but um, obviously most things not many things are that funny if you take the humour out but uh, obviously that would make sense wouldn't it I still think the funny one of the funniest things that ever happened to me one of the things that I found the most funny is and I've talked about this before was Andre was my boss not Andre the ferret my son but I named him after Andre who was my best friend when I was in my 20s and he's one of the closest friends I've ever had and uh, so I named Andre after him well he was my boss at the time and he was gone somewhere and my friend who I was working with Terry came in and he'd just gone off as well and he came back uh, so I was waiting around for him to come back and I said to Terry have you seen Andre and Terry said to me oh yeah I just passed him in the toilet I was practically rolling around on the floor at one point I thought Terry was going to punch me because he seemed to be getting really annoyed with me but I found it hilarious Just I got this visual of him pooing out Andre and just I passed him in the toilet just I couldn't stop laughing it, it there really is a tickle bone like you know I think within all of us where it just gets tickled and then not obviously on your elbow because that's the tickle bone in your elbow that's not that's not a thing is it but you know when something just tickles you and just like Let's try try not to laugh and it keeps coming back and it keeps coming back and it keeps coming back like no stop laughing and um yeah I've, I quite like that when I do that with people sometimes sometimes I'll uh, especially if the person's really serious I've met someone and maybe at work and they're really serious and I'm thinking oh I had a girlfriend that was like that once and I really liked her but she was really friendly but I never heard her laugh you know not really laugh and then um, I don't know if I was in bed with her I'm not don't worry I'm not going to say first time she saw me naked she couldn't stop laughing um, because I don't want to talk about that but I was just talking to her like a normal conversation and I don't know if we might have been in bed or um, we might have been in the middle of doing something I can't remember but I within the conversation all I said was the word fanny fart and she could not stop laughing it tickled her 
and she could not stop. She laughed and laughed and laughed and couldn't stop. And it's like, wow. Because I love it when that happens to me, although usually when it happens to me, it's at the wrong time. Like a wedding or a funeral or it's, you know, or during a meeting, a work thing when it's supposed to be all serious and and I suppose a lot of it maybe is through nerves or just uh, there's that energy that just needs to be released but I mean I went to a funeral I can't believe I shouldn't be talking about funerals but anyway I went to a funeral a few years back and the or the organist who was playing the music sounded like he was drunk. I'm not even joking. If I played you back, if I'd have recorded it and played it to you, you'd laugh. You know, you'd think, or you'd all think, how, what? You know, and the music was off key. It was all over the place. And that was difficult because, you know, it's, it's not the right time to be, you know, it's not a time of levity, is it, generally? You know, but I think the pressure of being serious is, I'm trying to think of an example of when Oh yeah, there was one I'd I was queuing up in a I was queuing up in a, a cafe. This was actually when I was working at the factory uh, with the meters because I worked there three times, so I'm not sure if it was the first or the second time, but there was a cafe around the corner, so I used to go around and have. I sometimes get a, an egg roll and that's what I was doing I was, uh, the thing is I hadn't actually had the egg roll but I was queuing up to get an egg roll so everything kind of happened in the wrong order and this I'll give you an idea if you walk into the yeah because that road let's say walk out the factory there's quite a bit of space of area but when you actually get out of the factory onto the road where the general public are like driving up and down turn left walk up to the traffic lights then turn right and that's the same road which on the left hand side where is where the uh, the video shop used to be the very first video shop in that town was, and that was just when videos were kind of introduced, when people started having video players in their houses and stuff. And next door to that, there was this antique shop, but it also had military stuff in there as well. And when I was... 15 
I got I was working in, in the chip shop and I was getting paid £60 a week before I went on to the YTS scheme in the September so I started in the April in the September I went down to £27.30 a week so it's a quite a big drop but before that I was getting £60 a week which was pretty amazing because I didn't have any rent to pay didn't, you know still kind of living at home at the time uh, that was kind of a bit wobbly but you know it was kind of and the first thing I bought because I was all into like martial arts and stuff the first thing I bought I went down to this uh, military slash antique shop next to the video shop but I'm not sure if the video shop was still down there though because I don't recall whether or not that video shop moved around the corner from where I lived or it was a different people but I know I stopped using that video shop when the video shop opened around the corner because why would you travel you know for an hour and a half walk for an hour and a half there and back to get a video when you can just walk up the road around the corner and plus the amount of time I used to spend in the video shop looking at every single title reading the, the backs of every single uh, video cover to try and decide which video to get because decisions of course I've never found decisions particularly easy at times I think sometimes choice when there's so many choices uh, sometimes things are bit simpler when there's like very little choice but having lots of choice is also quite lovely really isn't it I suppose um, but next to so but at the time that video shop might not have been there anymore because it did move or it closed down at one point I'm sure well yeah it must well, it's not going to be there now is it because there are no video shops anymore but it's yeah definitely I think it definitely might have closed down but the shop next door to it was still there I just have this recollection of the, the video shop having a board up against the, the door saying that we're closed now yeah I think so and it's like a little I'm sure the, the close sign is like closed now, but it was C L O S E D, but the O had a little face drawn in it. A couple of eyes and a and a mouth. The mouth might have had a like a that might have been like the first ever emoji. Wow. Anyway, the shop next door had what I wanted. 
and I'd already decided what I was going to get with my first week's wages. I went in there and I picked up a samurai sword. And that's what I took home with me. And I spent, I think I spent the full £60, maybe £55, something like that. And I had this samurai sword in the, uh, what's it called? Scrabbard, Scadard, Stadard, Stabbard, Scabbard. You know the the case, the thing that the that the sword goes into. And I was so pleased. I always wanted a, a sword. I had like some practice, like wooden swords and stuff for martial arts shops but I'd never never had like a real proper sword and I ended up selling it back I think or to someone can't remember who I sold it to but I think once I started earning £27.30 a week I needed to sell it so I could buy some ice cream or something but I love that sword. I still remember how it felt. The the handle was... Because it was... I'm guessing it wasn't like antique in the sense of being thousands of years old. But it was quite an old sword. It wasn't new. So it might well have been from the war. Who knows, you know. There probably wasn't a huge market for swords though back then. Generally. I don't there's probably not a huge market now, apart from like rare ones. Plus you know nowadays yes, a fifteen year old couldn't walk into a shop and buy a sword, probably. You may say, yeah, but some fifteen year olds they look like adults. You know, I didn't. I probably looked about 13, 12. You know, I didn't, didn't look... My voice had broken. But luckily it fixed, so... We're all good now. But... I remember when I was... 13 or 14... I can't remember that kind of age period. It was quite a, a slow developer, really. I still haven't finished, I don't think. I hope. And I used to come down in the morning for breakfast, and my voice would be croaky, and I'd be like, morning. I'd try and make it as deep as possible. Like, and they'd say, Do you want? I'll be asked, Do you want um, cornflakes or Rice Krispies? I'd say, Rice Krispies, please. Then I'd be asked, Do you want some orange juice? Do you want some orange juice? I'd say, Yes, please. Oh, and I'd, oh, damn. I really thought my voice had broken. 
I really believe every day I'd wake up praying that my I didn't want anything else out of the world out of life all I wanted was my voice to be deep not deep deep I didn't you know I didn't have any kind of Barry White aspirations I just I just wanted to have I suppose because I didn't look like a man my idea of what a man you know I wasn't I was still kind of quite childish looking I didn't have I didn't feel like a man but I wanted to if I had at least the voice so I could walk around talking like this all the time and then people would I don't know I just wanted it it's one of those things I wasn't I suppose different periods of adolescence and puberty that I went through maybe everyone goes through it but you know at first growing growing hairs in different places was a novelty it's like oh that's weird but eventually I got bored of counting the pubes and I, I thought well what's going to happen next and then there is the incident in the shower. I'm not going to talk about it, but um, I was just doing what I always did for the last six months or so. And then something happened that hadn't happened before. And uh, I thought I was going to have to call an ambulance. I really just, I thought, oh God, I'm leaking. I'm leaking, you know, and to this day it's still the best one I've ever had. So, and then I wanted to be big and muscly, big and muscly and manly, and never was. I was little and muscly. Boy, I wasn't manly, and I don't even remember when my voice did break. It was probably about fifteen. I think it wasn't one of those no- when I kind of went from. To, uh, I think it just happened kind of gradually, in stages. So I went from. Sounding like a girl to sounding like a woman to sounding like a woman that's been smoking for 40 years to sounding like a teenage boy to eventually sounding like a young man which is kind of what I've been kind of stuck with although I know I don't think many people sound the way they look anyway but it's hard I find it hard to judge someone's age by looking at them but by hearing them on the phone because some people sound old I've spoken to people and they sound like they're not old but they sound like they're adults like in their 40s or 50s 
you find out they're only 17. And you may think, well, why? What am I doing talking to 17-year-old boys? That's in my job I had. I'm not just randomly calling people up. Um, I'd get phone calls, on, you know, for car insurance. And they'd phone up and I'd, I'd hear this like, you're glad I'm here to want to get some insurance. And I'd think, brilliant. It's a middle-aged man. They're the best people. Well, middle-aged people, men, women. It's the, they're the best group to sell car insurance to because they generally get the cheapest insurance providing you know everything else is good and then I felt oh good and I'll be all friendly which I should be anyway regardless of who they are and then they say yeah um, I'm 18 so, oh okay and then I have to go through the quote even though it's pointless because either they were going to get turned down by the insurance or the insurance was going to be like £20,000 or something ridiculous like that because um, instead of getting a little old Ford KA or a little Mini something that's worth maybe £800 and very low engine so you know low value that doesn't go very fast or do very little they'd end up getting the closest thing to a speed car that they could get and they wondered why they couldn't get insurance or get decent insurance that was cheap unfortunately we couldn't sort of just say oh sorry can you call back when you're an adult? In 20 years, when you can get good insurance for you then, good prices. I did a quote for someone once, and they had a, I think they had a Mercedes, and he was 18, and he had a Mercedes, and I just went through the whole thing, I didn't bother really chatting to him I was like this is just another wasted 20 minutes because because that's like kind of you get used to it after a while you start expecting because it's it's a Mercedes 18 year old when you get such a if you do get a quote the price is going to be tremendous I was amazed we did get a quote a price came up and I said something like, okay, this is going to cost you uh, about eight, £8,000 for the insurance. And he said, oh, okay then. I said, what? I said, yeah. He said, uh, so you want to pay it monthly, obviously. I said, no, no, I'll just pay it now. And then he, and then, <laughs> then he shouted, dad. <laughs> and his dad paid it on the credit card. So, uh, it just shows you that you can't, you can't always, you can't judge. You can, it's natural to judge, but we all do it. It's just human nature, isn't it? But I did find it very, very interesting how that worked out, though. Because like I'd already predetermined that it was going to be a waste of time, but it wasn't.
it's so easy to use that as an example of or it just shows that people you know it's not a waste of time quoting people of that age and but actually reality it was in the job I had because 99.9% didn't buy anything because they couldn't because who can afford that kind of money for car, for car insurance it's just it's ridiculous people used to get sacked for that though you know when I first got there old uh Anne, not Anne Summers. What's her name? Anne. I can't remember her name. Anyway, she was. She had a chat show. Like no, she had a, a game show that was really popular all around the world. This was the early two thousands, two thousand and one, and I was in training, and they played us a call of someone that we shouldn't do. And basically how we shouldn't treat the customers and uh, this and this is a call from a, someone that was working there that had just been sacked for what he did so they were sort of letting us know that you cannot be rude to the customers otherwise you get that's it which is fair enough you know it's, it's uh, should be respectful to the customers and Basically, what he did was the customer was being rude to him and just being awkward with every question. Some people would do that. They'd phone up and they'd say, yeah, I'd like a quote. Okay, I'll take, take your name first. What do you want my name for? Well, we can't do the quote without your name. Well, just give me a quote. No, I need your name. Okay, your name. Your date of birth? What do you want my date of birth for? It's a date of birth. It's like, and they go through every single question. And they say, is this going to take long? Why is it taking so long? Well, if you answer the questions as I ask them, just answer the questions and it will be done quicker than if you don't answer the questions. But again, that can be sound rude, can't it? Anyway, this, this person, this man on the phone was being rude like just awkward all the way through and uh, the in the end the person didn't get a price so that the computer the computer system refused to insure this man uh, due to Badalem maybe uh, whatever reason I don't know why it can be a multiple it could be convictions it could be uh, the type of car, if it's uh, import, if it's, you know, it's lots of different things. And the bloke started complaining. He said, what do you mean you won't show me? I've been on the phone for 30 minutes now and you won't show me. He said, why is it? And uh, the bloke on the phone said, sorry, sir, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. And he put the phone down on the customer. The customer phoned back and all the calls are recorded, which is how they managed to play us the call, otherwise I mean, they didn't get an actor to reenact it. Um, and 
even the the managers that came in sort of told us not to do that. He said we were laughing when we were listening to it, but we had no choice, you know, because it's funny, but it's you can't do that. You know, I mean, if you imagine if you was in a supermarket. And some a customer was just being rude, really, really rude. And you you put a, you put a cake on the head, like a big chocolate cake, and just squashed it in their face or something. You're gonna get you're gonna get lose your job, aren't you? Although it's a funny thing to do, and it's a lot better than some things that could be done. But waste of a chocolate cake, though, if you ask me. Everyone else would be going, oh, I see, I can't believe you did that. Always that. People would be laughing. It'd be me licking the f- chocolate off her face. I love chocolate. Again, that might have sounded a bit weird. It wasn't about licking. It was more about the chocolate. Mind you, oh, I had a bath today. I had my hair cut last night. So I've got a grade two, I might have mentioned that in yesterday's recording, but I think it's probably time to bring this thing to an end because I've been rabbiting on for longer than I expected to be, an hour and ten minutes, so, but I've got these thingies on the wall. And I'm going to get these soundproof things on the wall. I'm going to get the whole wall covered in them with different colours. So it's, otherwise the room will be black because these are black black um, foam tiles. So it would be a very dark room if I had that. So I want to get some blue and red ones and uh, have the whole room soundproofed. And get some soundproof curtains. And also get a soundproof mat. Uh, to cover the entire floor as many mats as I need to so I get the whole floor maybe in the same material as you have in the children playground you know where the little kids jumping around and it's all foamy have it so this whole room is just soundproofed not not just for making recordings but also so that I don't disturb anyone else I like the idea of being able to get up at three in the morning or still being awake at three in the morning. It's half two now. And to be able to think, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to sing an ABBA song as loud as I can. And I'd like to be able to do that without disturbing anyone. I don't want to disturb people. So I can't do that at the moment. But I like the idea of being able to if I wanted. And also, if in the future, whoever moves in downstairs, in the future, if they happen to be, uh, you know, uh, loud, let's say, it's just, you know, whatever they're doing, I'd like to have it so that I can't hear them either. I'd like be a perfect situation I'm just worried that the place might look like a big padded cell 
So I need to sort of be a little bit mindful of that. And I'm probably going to, once I've got the foam on, I'm probably going to put other foam on as well, on top. I want to make it, I don't want to put so much foam that I've only got, I can only move, I'm sort of stuck in the middle of the room and I can only move three inches either way. Because that would be silly. But I want to make it so it sounds nice. And I've got no background sound. I mean, I've got the, so I've got these tiles, these soundproof tiles, to the right-hand side of me and to the back of me. If I had them to the left of me as well, and on top of me, then, and in front of me, so yeah, I don't know. Just wait and see. I'm also going to do the ceiling as well. Because what I remember is... At Graceland, I'm not comparing myself to Elvis, I'm just saying in Graceland, Elvis used to have a carpet on the ceiling. And you might say, yeah, but he was on all kinds of drugs. No, it's not about that. It's, mind you, if he was on drugs and there was a carpet on a ceiling, that would be really weird when you sort of wake up. But it was an acoustic thing, because Elvis loved Music, he loved singing. He wasn't doing it for the money. He loved singing. He wouldn't have done, according to documentaries, he wouldn't have been doing what he was doing. He wouldn't have been doing all those concerts when he wasn't well. But he loved singing. And if he had been treated properly, he might still be around singing. He'd be in his 80s and it'd just be just like an old, like Johnny Cash, you know, when he was elderly. Except a sexier version. Yeah, I'm a big Elvis fan. I love myself a bit of Elvis. I only known one other Elvis though. Elvis Costello. I can't think of any other Elvises that have been famous before or afterwards. That must have been a gamble for Elvis Costello to take the name of Elvis because that's not even his real name, I don't think. It might be. But to, to have that name when you the most famous singer pretty much of all time in the West anyway is Elvis Presley the most successful singer of all time no one not even Michael Jackson touched him when it came well <laughs> use different words maybe there but you know what I mean he's I loved Elvis. I mean, part of me would have liked to have been around in the late 50s when he was first in, when he first, you know, 1957, when he was first big and all the way through the 60s and going to the cinema watching his movies. But then I'd be in my 70s. So, you know, I don't, I'd probably rather just 
stick to being 48 and having kind of missed missed seeing or being around when he was young and that excitement I still yeah I still kind of there's nothing wrong with being in the 70s I kind of look forward to it I love the idea of being in my 70s and looking back and feeling that I've actually accomplished something that's a feeling I'm looking forward to Anyway, I've talked for way, way too much time. I'll speak to you later. And remember, you deserve to be happy. And be kind to yourself. And I'll speak to you next time. And if you are still listening, you can like my specific Facebook page that I've got, which is Let Me Boy to Sleep. And join me and uh, the other people that like these recordings. Bye for now.